Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia podcast. I'm Maddie Cassidy. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. And Justin's not here with us today. Nope. <laughs> but you have the dynamic duo coming at you with a really exciting interview with Imani Black, who is the founder and CEO of Minorities in Aquaculture. And this is someone that I have wanted to have on the podcast for a while. So I'm really excited about this episode. Minorities in aquaculture is such an important topic. And we have a lot of great conversations surrounding that in this episode. It's so good. Yeah, this is it's a really great episode. But before we get into it, make sure that you are subscribed to Aquademia on your podcast platform of choice so that you can get every episode downloaded to your device right when it comes out. If you want to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at Aquademia pod or you can visit globalseafood.org slash podcast. Fill out the contact form that gives you an option if you want to suggest guest recommendations or topic suggestions or if you want to sponsor the podcast. You can contact us through that form. It will come directly to us. And lastly, since we're giving you all these instructions, we might as well give you one more. If you like the show, if you like this episode, we would really appreciate it if you leave us a rating and review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on, because that really helps the show climb up the ratings and get into more people's ears. That's right. Did you get all that? (laughs) (laughs) So now let's get into the interview with Imani. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. We desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Okay, today we are sitting down with Imani Black, and I personally am so excited for this episode. I'm kind of a super fan of Imani's, and also this is a topic that we haven't addressed on the podcast before, so I'm really excited to get into this. Maddie has been super excited about this Yeah, I've been talking about it for weeks. (laughs) That's why we're letting her run the show. This is your your show, Maddie. (laughs) So I found you on Twitter, Imani, like a few months ago. And then I told Sean, I think Amani would be such a great guest for the podcast. So we reached out to her. She graciously agreed to come on the show. So welcome to Aquademia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yay. I just saw, was it Jennifer Bushman? Give you yeah. a shout out. I, it's, it's so funny. It's like such a small world where like all these people that we're connected with are starting to, to talk to each other. I love it. Oh, yeah. No, Jen and I, um, it's funny because we just had a meeting yesterday And we were like, I don't think we've actually had like a full conversation. We've only talked on IG Live um, for (laughs) for things. Um, So that was like pretty cool just to like sit down with her for like 45 minutes and just like chat and, you know, work on things together and things like that. It's it's been amazing. The people that I've gotten to meet just through this opportunity. And I just have never would never have like even imagined the people that I've like would have connected with right now. So, yeah. Well, she's a great person to be connected to, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's funny, Maddie, that uh, you said you found me on Twitter because I have been so against getting back on Twitter for so (laughs) long. Um, I thought Twitter was going to die 10 years ago. So, like, when people were like... (laughs) When people were like, oh, yeah, like, science, academia, like, it's all on Twitter. I was like, why? Like, Yeah, (laughs) that's something that I actually wanted to talk about in this episode is how... Twitter is like having a resurgence right now, especially in the scientific world. I feel like so many 
scientists and researchers are coming to Twitter and like flocking to Twitter and there's such a great community on there. And basically what I'm saying is if you're a listener and you're not on Twitter yet, you definitely should be because <laughs> there's so much great information, infographics, videos about so many different topics. I'm so bad at Twitter. Yeah. I'm yeah. So you're not a Twitter guy. I'm not good at Twitter. <laughs> I'm, so... I'm not either. I'm not good at social media. Like if I wasn't doing what I am doing now, I probably would be like off the grid social media wise. But like <laughs> now I'm like having to be forced to be like on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Oh, yeah. and I'm like, I I'm like <sighs> a rabid consumer <laughs> of social media. Like I will scroll for hours on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook and stuff, but I rarely actually contribute to much. On <laughs> um, and Twitter, I can't even, I, I, I have to like make myself look at Twitter and like read through it. It's just, it's not, it's, it, it doesn't work for me, but it is, it's huge for a lot of people. It's, it's, it's important to be on there. I just, mm -hmm. yeah. Maddie is in charge of our Twitter account mostly. And because for that reason, <laughs> I just, I'm not good at it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no. And I like hadn't been on Twitter probably since like, well, I'm going to say like uh, when I was in college, so like 2011. So I had like all of these tweets from like, uh, middle, like high school and like things like that, like on, and I got a notification when I re downloaded on my phone, like that people were starting to follow me. And I was like, oh no, like I had uh -oh. to go through a whole purge of this, like, ridiculous time to be relevant things. again. Yeah, ridiculous things. I was like, I was, you know, people that were like doctors and like researchers and stuff were following. I was like, I, I have to go through this or like people are going to be like, what? Imani, Ooh, like what hilarious. is this? Like tweeting song lyrics. And oh my God. Just like the cringiest things. My gosh. Yes. I remember. So I was, I think I was in college or finishing college when Twitter became a thing and I didn't get it. They're like, it's just. It's just Facebook statuses. There's no pictures. It's just words. And I'm like, where's the fun in that? <laughs> and, and I just, I kind of had this like bias against it from the beginning because I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, definitely big when I was in high school and exactly like that. It was like, we would do cringy Facebook, you know, statuses. And now you could just do that rapidly on, on Twitter. It was not a good mix. <laughs> not a good mix at all. That's funny. <laughs> So for our listeners who aren't familiar with you, Amani, how about you just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you've been up to the past few years, and why you're involved with aquaculture? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, my name is Imani Black again. Technically right now, I am a master's student um, at Horn Point Laboratory in Cambridge through University of Maryland College Park. Um, and in the MIS program, which is like marine um, environmental science program. Uh, and now I'm also the founder and CEO of a nonprofit called Minorities in Aquaculture, which is uh, a community-based organization where we bring women of color that are currently in aquaculture or interested in aquaculture together um, to be empowered and educated um, while also providing them with, you know, career development resources um, and ways to mitigate the barriers that, you know, minorities and women of color and just women in general face going into marine sciences. So um, I was an oyster farmer for uh, I've been an oyster farmer. I still like to say I'm an oyster farmer um, <laughs> for the last six years um, before all of this. Um, and I originally got into it just because I'm from the Eastern Shore of Maryland. I've always been into restoration and conservation and knew that I wanted to do something in that, like for my career. And so I went to Old Dominion University, studied marine biology, 
um, thought I was going to go the tropical biology route, um, but wasn't really, you know, the spark that I was looking for as far as career path. And mm. um, then I had an opportunity to uh, intern uh, with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation doing oyster restoration in Virginia. And um, yeah, that experience just kind of really validated for me that I wanted to do something in the Chesapeake Bay. So after that, I got into shellfish aquaculture um, at Virginia Institute of Marine Science at their uh, oyster aquaculture training program. And yeah, I've just been in aquaculture ever since then. So, um, you know, things have in my career have progressed um, a lot and they've changed. You know, 2020 was a, I like to call the year of redirection. Um, That's you know. a n positive way of putting it. <laughs> that is, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking the same. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, you can, I feel like we definitely have um, validation to like just really sit with 2020 and feel like really crappy about it. Um, and I think that once I really looked at the, you know, months and the year that followed 2020, I, I really, um, all the things that happened in 2020 were the best things that ever happened to my life. Like none of the things that I'm doing now would be what they are. Uh, they wouldn't even be in existence if uh, the things didn't happen in 2020. So I'm just, I try to be super grateful for it. Um, because, you know, right now life is a uh, life is pretty crazy and it's pretty great. So nothing really to complain about there. So I'll give you that's the short version. I'll just leave it there. So thank you so much for giving us that background, Imani. I feel like putting it in the perspective of 2020 is really great, especially because in the U.S., 2020 is when the Black Lives Matter movement had a huge resurgence. So I'm wondering if that had an impact on you starting minorities in aquaculture. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, definitely one of the catalysts for me, just like really diving into MIA. Um, before I started MIA, I had no idea how to start a nonprofit, even like what it went into it or anything. Um, but, you know, I lost my job in May of 2020. And that was completely unexpected. And so, you know, I was obviously feeling some type of way about my career, um, you know, for like a year leading up to that. And then that situation happened. And so I was just like, you know, in a place where I just felt lost in an industry that I really loved. And um, it ended up being a week before George Floyd. And um, wow, the place that I was working at, um, while I did learn really great, you know, skills there and, you know, really develop my career. Um, the location, the remote location that we were in at times, I didn't really feel comfortable as a person mm. of color. Mm. Um, and so, again, you know, I look back at 2020 and I'm like, wow, like all of that happened for a reason, um, because I don't think that I would have felt comfortable where I was um, after like during the George Floyd everything. Right. So, so so a blessing in disguise. Almost. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, with that, um, just being a person of color, you just feel some type of way about it, I think, naturally. Um, I think what really kind of shook me in that was Ahmaud Arbery, um, who, you know, was tragically um, killed when he was out for a jog. And the way mm -hmm. that I found out about that was I came back from a jog and oh saw my, that oh on wow. my phone. Um, so I had already been kind of in a space of like, oh, my God, like, what what does this like mean? Like, how do I feel about this? Like all this stuff. And. Then, you know, when it really got the surgeons that it did, um, you know, the aquaculture community uh, really disappointedly had no real reaction, you know, to what was happening. You know, there wasn't too many um, 
people in my orbit that I was seeing, you know, this was when I wasn't really dived into the community I am in now, but no one was really even speaking up about it or even, you know, putting out, um, you know, just like condolences or just like support for that community, for our community of minorities. And so, yeah, it wasn't until um, a couple organizations were like, oh yeah, we're going to bring this conversation to our conferences and forums, you know, and our, you know, in th- events and things like that um, to help, you know, move this forward in awkward culture. And I was like, well, you know, like conferences are like over $500 to go to. And like, not always gonna, accessible, not always yeah. <laughs> accessible at all. So I was like, who's going to be a part of that conversation? Like mm-hmm. who's really going to be sitting at the table? And like, why is it that our first action item is to bring it to a conversation? Like when you start doing action. So you know, I was going through a lot of like imposter syndrome during that time, but I really like sat with that moment at my kitchen table and was like, I guess this is like really bigger than me, it seems like. And uh, yeah, I started, you know, the application process for my nonprofit then. So yeah, July, we officially became a 501c3. What was that process like? Like, did you hit any roadblocks that really kind of stuck out in that throughout that process? Like, I, I, I like you, like you said, when you were starting, I would have no idea where you begin. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, just the whole experience, uh, like you know, you don't know something until you know it, and uh, you know, diving into that, I was like, you know, reading a ton of books and online all the time for every single step of that process, and. Um, luckily, you know, I, as of right now, uh, according to the IRS, I did everything right, which I'm super surprised. <laughs> right. There you go. Uh, right. So, um, I give myself a pat on the back cause, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just like, wipe that sweat off your breath. Right. <laughs> I was just like, uh, all right. So I did the best that I could and it ha- happened to be right. That's all I could ask for. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the projects that you work on at MIA and how are ways that Actually, let's just start off with that question. <laughs> what are some projects <laughs> that you work on with MIA? Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, really cool things, um, you know, coming out this year and like, you know, in the next coming years. Um, for this year, you know, we're really focused on our internship program. Um, so we have, you know, our, a growing partner list of aquaculture farmers, uh, other aquaculture organizations, you know, nutrition uh, organizations, um, seafood processors, like, you know, we're really trying to give an overall experience like in the career of aquaculture to our members. Um, we have about 50 members right now, most of oh, them wow. on the East Coast and, and West Coast. But we do a few international, uh, Norway, Sri Lanka, Italy. Um, so, you know, really our biggest thing is to give, you know, have the opportunities for them so that they can really start exploring different avenues of, of aquaculture. And all those women, by the way, are already in their own lane of aquaculture. Wait, um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. When did you become a 501c3? Uh, we became a 501c3 in July of 2020. And you already have 50 members. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. International. <Girl>. So when <laughs> wow. you so when you talk about this internship program and these different members, are these members places that people like women and people of color can get internships at those members Mm -hmm. yeah so our members our member list right now is all women of color um i know that the the name minorities in awkward culture makes it seem like it's it's more broad and i definitely am you know in the horizons like going to expand it to all minorities but i think you know when you look at like the history of of commercial fishing and of 
you know, just everything, you know, there's, there's so many little accounts about minorities in general. Um, but there's so little accounts about women and women of color, um, in Mm. those spaces. And so I really wanted to honor the women of color that came before us and like really focus on that demographic specifically for a while, um, and then kind of expand it. So yeah, we, there are opportunities that, you know, I really get input from them on, um, kind of, you know, things that we already kind of had in the works, but I really try to shape it based off of like what their needs are. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I tell them all the time that, yeah, guys, like I'm, I, my face might be on the, this bus of change. I might be the driver, but like you guys are the ones that are giving me directions. Like we go, mm-hmm. we take MIA where we feel like it's best, not where I feel like it's best. Cause I'm just one of one of the community. I'm not the community in itself. So I might be the advocate, but like, I need to know what you guys need me to advocate for type of thing. There is so much power in being specific when you start things off. I think that that's something that we run into a lot at GSA Mm -hmm. is because we are serving the global seafood industry, it's really easy to get overwhelmed because there are just so many avenues that you can go down. So I think starting off with a really specific audience of women of color is the best way to do it. And then you can replicate that out once you expand. Well, yeah. it's, and, and it's it's nice, Imani, that it starts with you, right? It starts with one person. For your example, Maddie, when we're trying to do di- different projects here, we have so many people that are involved when we try to start a project, and they all have their niche that they kind of the world that they mm-hmm. live in, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll try to we'll try to start a pilot program for something, and they'll say, well, how does that impact? Farmers in, you know, Thailand. Bangladesh, yeah. And then, right. and then someone else is saying, well, hold on, that doesn't benefit the, the folks down in Latin America. Right. And <laughs> so then it just becomes this big, broad thing that it just gets out of control. So I think, yeah, I agree. I think your approach is definitely the way to go because you, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, and then prove yeah. that it works before you can start uh, growing it in, into and expanding it. So yeah. I, I agree, Maddie. I think that, that, that's a good, that's a, mm-hmm. a yeah. good way to look at it. You would be surprised, though. I get... Um, a few emails and a few messages, you know, initially being very kind of like, you know, are you, so is this like servicing men of color as well? And, you know, I like so graciously, you know, I say, you know, the spiel that I just, that I just said of I'm trying to honor, you know, women of color that came before us and, you know, really start to pave out, you know, that pathway for us. Um, and then it's just like, well, I thought that you're about diversity and inclusion and you're excluding men of color. And I'm like, mm. but there's organiz is there not other organizations that only focus on one group at a time like all right. the whole time like it's not like <laughs> i'm the first organization that's like nope only women of color like there are other you know at there are other organizations that do that too so you know it's it's silly totally. and i under- i understand um i i definitely want to open it up i just i really want to focus on you know our the women right now i really want to focus on getting them to where they feel like and we feel like as a woman of color, just like demographic that we are starting to like really make changes. And I, I'm sure from the get go, you knew that that was going to happen. Right. <laughs> you you got to know that that stuff's going to come out. Of the woodwork. Uh, so. I mean, I I knew, but like I was kind of, you know, I was preparing myself for the diversity and inclusion part to be the one that gets like a lot of the attention part of it, which is Mm. why like, you know, DEI is so important to MIA. Like it's definitely one of the founding pillars of it, but I really tried to, and I I try still to really get people to understand that like, you know, I come from a 200 year long, like legacy of Waterman on the Chesapeake. Like 
I really do honor traditional watermen and the things that they have done for our commercial fishing and the things that they still do. And the knowledge that that marine occupation like holds and the heritage that it holds. So like really like by bringing in new people or like, you know, uplifting a certain demographic in aquaculture is like, to me in my own way, like really honoring that because aquaculture is this new wave of commercial fishing. And it's really like going to be the focal point of our sustainable seafood resource. So for me, it's like, well, minorities were already in that space. And so I'm just like bringing us along for like the next train ride type of thing. Mm -hmm. So not that I'm trying to, you know, make aquaculture only about diversity and inclusion, but it's more just about that. I really honor traditional, you know, watermen. I honor what aquaculture is doing for us, like as an industry, not by like the people that are like doing it. And I just so happen to be a woman of color. So like, why not connect with the people, the women that look like me? Mm. Going back to what you said a little bit earlier about how you're the advocate, but it's really about what your audience and your community needs. I think that that is a really important point because we actually experienced something similar to that recently where we were going to start this project and then someone was like, wait, hold up. Does this align with what these people that we're trying to help actually need? And it's good to like take a step back and instead of just deciding for people what you think is a good idea, listening to them and then creating solutions for them is so much more valuable in the short term and the long term. And that's the step that a lot of people skip. Yes, yes, absolutely. I feel like we really don't meet people where they are in their environmental education. You know, we, mm. we expect things to be like very one size fits all of like, oh, this is a really great program. And I had that in the beginning of like, you know, people coming to me, blowing up my email, of like all these like, you know, projects and programs that they wanted MIA to jump on. And, you know, they were they were great, but I had to be like, okay, well, what audience like what audience is this for? And they're like, oh, well, like underserved communities. And I was like, I'm really not trying to be rude, but those students will not care about that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and and not because they won't care about it because it's not important or because this isn't like set up or developed correctly. But I just mean, like, you're talking about things that they probably have never even seen before. Like, how can you talk about oyster aquaculture when someone's never held an oyster before? How can you talk about it in a classroom just by pictures? Like, how can you talk to somebody who doesn't even have a relationship with water to begin with? That's not how we get the longevity of people really changing their relationship with our environment and wanting to care about it. Like, it has to be in baby steps. We have to be like, okay, well, what do you know about this? And then build on it from there and then add the steps into it so that it's like an over time, the flame gets like more ignited instead of just like an, an initial spark that like, They get excited about, but then when they go home, that's not what they see in their everyday life. So they can't make that connection. So then that becomes like a pipe dream once you leave that classroom. Right. So much of the seafood industry kind of happens behind closed doors, especially aquaculture. Mm -hmm. And it's people in the industry know all about these things. And there are some amazing things happening. But this is a common theme of things that come up on the podcast is we don't do a great job of communicating that to people who should know about it or might be cururious about knowing it knowing about it that's yeah. the vacuum we haven't talked about the vacuum in a long time <laughs> if, you, if you're a listener if, if you've binged the the show from the beginning or if you've been with us since the beginning you know what I'm talking about when I say the vacuum but like you just said the entire industry works within this closed community and we love getting together and raising each other up patting each other on the back and saying you know celebrating and giving each other awards 
for all these great things that are happening. But if you're not in the industry, you have no idea any of that stuff is happening. If you're in the industry, all you're seeing is a lot of the the fear mongering mm-hmm. advertisements on Facebook and the you know the viral misinformation that that is oh. out there. And yeah. that is breaking that wall to get out of that vacuum is. One of the biggest challenges that the industry has been facing for like Mm -hmm. ever. (laughs) Yeah, it all comes back to education, which I think you and minorities in aquaculture is doing a great job of addressing. Thank you. Yeah, I think also, too, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, I've really just been focusing on is um, is that labor shortage and that labor gap that we have in aquaculture that people Mm. are talking about, but like no one's like really putting a lot of like severity into you know, I just like read something. And it was like by 2025, if like we just keep going in this trajectory, like we'll have 1,300 unfilled positions in aquaculture, which is like going to cost us like 57 million dollars. You know, oh and I was like, whoa! Gosh. I didn't even like think about. So like now I'm like really changing my mindset towards minorities in aquaculture because it's I, I hadn't realized this, but I was built building something that was for that labor shortage like mm. i want to give the all the things that i had been talking about that i you know want to do with mia and for our members you know certifications uh you know funding for conferences um we do fully funded internships again removing that financial barrier um but also like you know really giving them the skills that at times women aren't like have the opportunity to like know when they work out on farms like boater you know maintenance plumbing carpentry welding you know all of these skills that we're looking for you know in aquaculture um and so yeah so i i realized that you know i have an opportunity now to help aquaculture in more ways than i even thought i did um and with that labor shortage you know i'm pretty excited because you know a lot of our members are they blow me away sometimes with just like <laughs> their with what they've done so far. And, you know, when I meet with them, I try to meet with every single member, um, you know, once just like her and I or, you know, um, just be- before they like join the community and all that. So they can ask any questions and I can really get a gauge on like what they need from MIA. And um, the overall kind of consensus is one that I am the first, you know, black woman or woman of color that they've ever seen interested in aquaculture. But then two, it's like they have these ideas, but they're like, oh, they it, it's not really developed. It sounds a little crazy. And I'm like, you came to the right one. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me what it is. So I like I just I feed off of I'm like, it's not crazy. No, no, no. That doesn't sound crazy at all. Actually, my <laughs> wheels are turning right now. And I wrote down about 14 different ideas. So like, no, 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 you're on the right track. So I'm gonna need you to email me so we can like get this going. Like I had a member that was like from Uganda originally. And she's like, yeah, I want to be, you know, like the first, like you like female in Uganda to like, um, to, to work on a aquaculture farm and to have a farm. And she was like, but that's going to be a few years out. And I was like, well, you came to the right one. Cause that is amazing. And we're going to, we're, let's make that happen. I'll yeah. do anything that I can to make sure that that happens for you. If that's what you want. Like it's wow. goals like that, that like get me super excited. I'm like, Yes, honey, let's change the world. Let's do it. I'm down. (laughs) And just as importantly, let's tell the world about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So what are some other examples of things that you've seen that have really made you feel proud that you've started MIA? Oh, I'll try not to cry when I I, I talk about this. Um, I'm definitely like 
talking about MIA and just like the things that I love about it and things, the ways that it's like changed, changed my life. Um, I definitely get like super and emotional. other people's it. lives too. Yeah. So oh my, we had our first all like member MIA member meeting a couple months ago. And, um, you know, not everybody can make it, which is totally fine. Um, but there was a good number there and we had such a powerful conversation. Like it was everything that I had ever dreamed of having other women of color in aquaculture, like in my space, like all of the things that like I'd ever wanted MIA to be came to fruition. Like in that one moment, I, I was a blubbering baby. I cried the entire time <laughs> because Aww. it just, it, it felt so real. You know, there are, there are times where like I do MIA and like, it feels real when I like, you know, do events and talk to people and things like that. But like, sometimes I don't let myself feel the magnitude and, you know, kind of the presence that MIA has, you know, so far. Um, and because I'm just like chugging along and like, what do we have to do next? What do I have to do next? All that stuff. And then when I have a moment to really realize like how much it really has impacted people, like it, it's amazing. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to do that. I'm just so grateful that I had the courage to do that. Um, and a lot of women, I feel like, you know, when women in my community, like, thank me for that. I'm just like, no, for real, like, thank you just for being another woman, that, like here with me, that's like trying to do this too. So yeah, I just would say all of it. I would just say like, just talking to our members, you know, the connections that I've made, the things that I've gotten to do, the opportunities that I've gotten to do, I would have Never imagined that my career would have gone this way, but I'm like super happy that it has. So, yeah. Yeah. Going from oyster farming to founding and then managing this amazing nonprofit, it's kind of a big transition (laughs) in a short period of time. Yeah. And I want to go back. I want to, I'm an oyster farmer through and through. Like, Mm. I, I really am. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I love, I loved being an oyster farmer when I, when I was one. And, um, I think that in this new kind of chapter of my career, um, it, it's really validating to me that like being on the water is like really my calling, like physically being out on the water. Um, I love all the things I'm doing now, but I think a lot of people um, have kind of gelled me to minorities in aquaculture, which is fine, you know, like that, ha- you know, obviously I'm the founder and CEO, so it happens. But I, I think that what I haven't really expressed fully is that like, I created MIA because it was something that I felt like would have really helped me in the beginning of my career. And I wanted to connect with other women of color and, and see what we could do. I didn't set out to be an advocate or a philanthropist or like anything like that. Um, right. I, I would have, you know, I would have stayed in my position for, you know, another like 10 years if, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff didn't happen. So my goal is to get back to commercial aquaculture. My goal is to, to be a, a hatchery manager um, you know, somewhere, hopefully internationally. I feel like that's like my next step. I've talked about that for years, but yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out my own career while also helping other people with theirs too. Cause I realized that I didn't want to leave mine on the back burner just cause I was doing MIA. Um, I wanted to add to it and that was a way to add to it, but also to like, not really be stuck in like just doing MIA. I like have dreams to do other things and I have the platform to do it now. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So if we have listeners who are women of color who might want to get involved with MIA, how can they do that? Uh, yeah. Head to our website. Um, there is a sign up form. 
um, that you can fill out that goes directly to my email and it gives me all of your information. Um, so I will get in touch with you and I will set up a meeting and then that's pretty much it. <laughs> and what is that website? Uh, org. So just type in minorities in Ankara culture and it should come up because that's basically what it what it is anyway. Yeah, if you Google minorities in aquaculture, it's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> I have Great a g- search engine optimization, I yeah, gotta say. Pretty- <laughs> I ha- <laughs> so we, we've, we've touched on it a little bit, but what, what is next specifically for MIA? Yeah, so we've got our uh, summer internships coming up. We've got a few um, other programs that are getting launched right now. Um, one project that I'm super, super excited about that's going to uh, be officially launched next month um, is with you know two of um, two of the eight only living black captains on the Chesapeake Bay right now, wow. uh, Captain Lamont Wright and Admiral Vince Leggett. Um, you know I met them just through like a webinar, and uh, you know they're uh, a little bit older than me; they're over sixty. But again, all eight of the black watermen or black captains on the bay are all over the age of sixty right now. Um, and so we are creating a program, um, you know, that's kind of congruent with Captain Lamont's dream of, uh, providing people the opportunity to get their captain's license and their boater safety's license and sea time and, and things like that. We're really trying to, again, um, preserve a legacy. You know, there's only eight of them and, um, there's nobody, you know, if I was to get my captain's license today, I would be the youngest person youngest black person youngest person of color to be a captain on the chesapeake bay wow yeah wow. yeah so it's yeah that's something that has just been super important to me i've loved working with them i i think that you know i've been so honored they've done so much just for our community and just for the chesapeake bay they've seen so much so yeah that's a really um exciting project that we're doing um and then um like yeah like i said we have our internship uh program this summer um, University of Louisiana Lafayette, we've got two internship positions down there. Um, the coalition Oyster South, uh, gave us a very generous donation last year at their landlocked event, um, to, to have, uh, two to three interns, like in the Southern, um, part of the States for, uh, oyster farmers. And then, you know, we just have like different, um, events and stuff that we're just doing with other organizations. So this summer is going to be a pretty big summer for MIA. We're finally going to have People out on the ground, people out in the field, people, you know, at farms. I'm super excited because I get to go and I'm trying to work for it. I've already told people, I'm like, make sure it's the <laughs> hardest day when I come. <laughs> like, make sure that you've got, I don't care if you've got to like scrap things together. Like, make sure it is the hardest day because I, that, that's like You want to get your like, hands dirty. Oh my God, I can't. I'm going to be, I probably won't even like sleep. I'll be like a kid before the first day of school. I'll be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah <laughs> so let's get a little insider's perspective from a, a oyster farmer on the chesapeake bay mm-hmm. best oysters to come out of the chesapeake bay Ooh, you're gonna be in trouble yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um okay well i'll 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 say this okay they are really great oysters but orchard point oyster company scott button is the only minority oyster farmer in the entire state of Maryland. Oh my I'm pretty God. sure I'm pretty sure in the Chesapeake Bay. So yeah, I support Scott a thousand percent. I actually, you know, met him right when he was like, you know, really taking 
his farm to the next level, which we talk about like all the time. He like didn't know me at all. And he like asked me to get his pick up a seed from FedEx um, when I first moved back to Maryland because I was trying <laughs> to look for volunteer work on farms. Um, and so, yeah, he's the only minority um, oyster farmer owner uh, in the Chesapeake Bay. So go and support Orchard Point Oysters. Um, they're really, really great. And they're a really good uh, company to support. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, another question. So a lot of our listeners are in the production side of the seafood industry. We have like a segment of listeners who are high up at the at companies like that. So is there a way that they can support MIA and what would be helpful for you to to get their support? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that we're looking for right now is like corporate sponsors or, you know, just like people that are really going to support our efforts to do what we what we want to do. You know, um, I think people, when they think of nonprofit, they, they think it's like, you know, there's not like money in it that like needs to like push it forward. And like, that's absolutely not true. Um, we have a lot of ambitions with MIA and we can do we can impact, you know, just women of color in the agriculture industry so much. So um, for anybody that just like wants to. Uh, reach out and just like, you know, kind of see like where our, you know, values align and like what we could, you know, develop, like absolutely reach out to me um, via email. Let's set up a meeting. But yeah, I think right now we're really looking for people within the seafood industry in general, but just like people that are just like really trying to invest in the change of aquaculture when it comes to women of color um, so that we can do really great work moving forward. Perfect. And then people can also donate too, right? Yes. Yes. We have a donate page on there. Um, and our donations right now, we're going to have a fundraiser that's launching soon, but our donations right now are really towards like getting the last little bit of funds for our internship program. So again, I said that they are fully funded. Our interns get paid seventeen fifty an hour. Um, and that, wow. that like wage will not go down any, you know, any further than that. It's only going to increase the more funding that we get. Um, and you know, their meals are paid for their transportation is paid for, um, you know, all of housing is paid for all of that. Um, and you know, any type of, you know, gear, you know, clothing, boots, oil skins, waiters, anything that they need, you know, we fully want to, you know, provide for them again, to really remove all of those barriers and just give them a, a, a free, you know, not a free, but like an open lane to really go develop their career on their own terms and like have those experiences. So yeah, our donations right now are going like directly towards that right now. Um, of just really making sure that we have enough funding to really give our, our members this summer that, you know, they won't forget and just a really great experience like at their internships. That, that is, is so impressive. That's amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> We're just sitting here with our jaws on the floor. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I think the people, you know, I think that people, you know, they should pay for their time. I was once a little, a little broke oyster farmer, you know, um, <laughs> barely making, you know, sad to say $200 like every two weeks. Like I know the struggle um, and I never, you know, yeah, I would say like it's a part of like the growing pains of aquaculture and science and stuff. But like. But it doesn't need to be. It doesn't right? need to be. Yes. There, are, there are plenty of other growing pains that you can get when you're building a career exactly. in this industry. That doesn't need to be one. Exactly. You know, that, that mindset of you need to, you know, I I did this, so you need to do it too. Needs to, mm -hmm. That needs to be left behind. Especially yeah. for women of color with yeah, wage 100%. gaps. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, like 
I've had conversations with people who, again, like want to do programs and, and provide, you know, internships like, you know, for our members. And, you know, they come from a really good place. But then I'm like, so what's like, you know, the stipend going to be? They're like, oh, like, you know, $12 an hour. I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. We need a livable wage. Yeah, that's yeah. I Because honestly, like I would feel like I'm disrespecting the members of minorities in agriculture, like taking that to them. Like, I just would yeah. feel like that I'm not honoring the things that we've been through as women of color, like in our community collectively. If I was like, hey, guys, like $12 an hour, like, you know, hope you can get there. Like, hope, like you know what I mean? Like, that, yeah, I feel like that's that, a good perspective it, to have. The, the it's better than nothing perspective is not going to work. That's no. not like that's not. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> right. You're getting experience. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I hate that so much. It's like exposure, like for artists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's free exposure. It's free exposure. Well, exposure doesn't pay my rent. So exactly. Oh my gosh. So we're getting a little close to time here. Uh, is there anything else that you want to get out there, kind of while you have this platform? And I'm sure that we'll continue to speak in the future. But you know, while you're here on the mic, what what else do you want to get out? Yeah, I think like the biggest thing that. Yeah, I guess I haven't said or I mean, I guess I should say again is that I'm just super thankful for, you know, everybody out there that has supported me just like in this journey. I mean, when I launched MIA, I was not expecting the way that it's going right now at all, at all. I don't even know what I was expecting because I was just like a. (laughs) a chaotic basket case, like for real, just trying to get this like (laughs) trying to get this started and like. You know, I've just gotten so much love and just so much appreciation, just so much support, like just throughout this. And I, like I said, I've met so many incredible people and I've met so many incredible women, but even just like the other organizations, you know, I didn't realize, I think a lot of us didn't realize at the time, but there was a cohort of, you know, black women uh, in 2020 that created science, like marine science organizations at the exact same time. Wow. And, you know, minorities in shark science, black and marine science. We were like the the top three organizations that started and we all started in, in June um, and had no, I mean, I had no idea that any of them even existed until I like saw an article about Shark Week and I was like, minorities in shark science, like, oh, and like I had already started the paperwork for MIA and I was like, oh, wow, like, okay, like this just validates that like, it's not just me that's like seeing this, you know? Yes, so you're on the right path. Yeah. Like I'm on the right path. And like, even though I don't know what the heck I'm doing right now, um, I, you know, know that there's other women out there that are like also showing up and like just make, getting it done. So yeah, I've just been super grateful for this entire experience. And um, I'm just super excited for like where all the things that I have coming up next uh, in my personal, you know, kind of career and with MIA and, yeah, so just thank you, everybody, again, for everybody that's listening to this. And thank you, Maddie and Sean, for having me because you guys have amazing people on this podcast. So I was like, oh, thank you. I was just like, st- you guys talked about you being starstruck. I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. OK, yeah, sure. I'll come chat for a little bit. <laughs> no, we were super, super excited to, to reach out to you and have you on the show, because this is something that we've wanted to talk about for a long time. and We just haven't gotten we, we haven't, haven't found, found the right person the right to person. talk about exactly it. yeah and justin uh wanted to apologize that he, he wasn't able to come in he got roped into like a two-hour management meeting which uh. i'm glad we are not <laughs> in right now but uh so yeah he was he was bummed out that he couldn't be part of this this recording but um we'll 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 get him on the next one yeah <laughs> just gotta come back that's all <laughs> yeah yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so i just want to close out by saying 
Thank you so much for, first of all, coming on the show. And second of all, doing the work that you're doing, Amani. I feel like you are doing something that so many people have said, like, oh, that would be such a great idea. Like, I love that idea. But it's always just an idea. Mm-hmm. And you're actually making it happen. So thank you for the work that you're doing because it's making the entire seafood industry a better place. Thank 100%. you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> 100%. So listeners, make sure that you check out the website for MIA. org. Yep. Dot org. And make sure you check that. And we'll link to it in the show notes as well. But yeah, I think that's... I think that's what we got. It's a wrap. Maddie, you got anything else? (laughs) No. Well, thank you so much to everyone that's listening, and we will talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Folks, that was our conversation with Imani Black, the founder and CEO of Minorities in Aquaculture. And we really hope that you enjoyed the interview. We hope that you learned something. And if you did, then be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform that you're listening to us on right now so that you can get every episode downloaded right to your device. Remember to find us on Twitter at AquademiaPod or contact us through the forum at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And if you're feeling in the mood, leave us a rating and review and let us know if you're liking the show. That's it. So thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Ciao.